You're listening to Your Rivers Are Wrong, the podcast. My name is Merle. I'm here with my good friend Dante, and we're here to build worlds and tell their stories. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to the Your Rivers Are Wrong podcast. I'd say welcome back, but this is kind of the first time we're meeting. So mm-hmm, it's nice mm-hmm. to meet you. Um, my name is Dante. I am one of your hosts today. Yes, and I'm the other one. And my name is Merle. Yeah, and we have been kind of planning this for a good while now. It's gone through a couple of phases of brainstorming and all of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But ultimately, starting a podcast is how we've decided to kind of share our thoughts and opinions and views on a very specific topic, which for some of people in the community is known as world building. So I wanted to kind of, before we get into this, say a little bit about ourselves. I know people listening either are probably our family and friends or someone who has never met us before. So I guess I'll do a quick intro and then Merla, you can tell a bit about yourself afterwards. Yeah, of course. Cool. Uh, My name is Dante. I'm based in New York City. I dabble a lot in different fields of creative writing. I am very specifically pretty heavy in the D&D community uh, in terms of Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm a big fan of the lore of different media. Before this whole D&D thing, I had a YouTube channel about the lore of League of Legends, which I got really into. And now I run a channel about D&D, about both game design and the concept of history behind it. Besides that, my resume isn't too big, but I want to pass it to somebody who uh, I think has a lot more experience than I do. I mean, well, (laughs) I don't have a YouTube channel, so you got that on me. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Uh, my name is Merle, as I said. Um, I think we're both pretty much into creative writing and sort of related topics. I come from a visual art background, so I studied graphic design and I'm currently studying illustration. So it's all in the same realm, really. And uh, yeah, Dante and I uh, met actually at one of our D&D games, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. And through D&D, I've also been more involved in things like storytelling, uh, world building, of course. Otherwise, we wouldn't do this podcast. I'm pretty big into singing and stuff like that. Everything sort of art related, I'll probably do and and love. (laughs) So, oh, and important to note, by the way, um, I'm from Holland. So we're we're pretty far apart. I think right now it's like... It's like 6.30 in the morning for you, Dante, right? And for me, <laughs> yeah, it's afternoon. It so that's that's a that's a challenge. We're, we're ready to overcome. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I mean, scheduling yeah. was definitely a bit weird because we had um, whenever it's morning for me, it's afternoon for you. Or yeah. if it's evening, it's past midnight. So mm-hmm. but I'm glad we got this all settled. Yeah, I think I think we're 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 doing pretty good so far. <laughs> <laughs> so specifically for today. We wanted to, for our first ever recording, kind of touch on something that we're both pretty familiar with and the space that got us into world building in the first place and the space that we met. This question that I'm about to present is a question that within this space, people would get this question quite often and Mm, answering it is just a little bit tricky every time. So getting it down to a science has taken (laughs) a bit of time. (laughs) But the question is for people like us, what is D&D? Uh, What is Dungeons and Dragons? And from the outside looking in, this kind of question is honestly pretty fair because it's kind of hard to tell if you're not part of the space, you're not playing a game yourself. So I kind of want to bounce this question to Marilyn first. How do you or how have you explained D&D to your friends and family whenever they ask? Mm, Yeah. I feel like this is the sort of the big question that's involved with this hobby somehow. (laughs) And I don't, I mean, I think I know why, because it's sort of, 
it falls in between a lot of things, I guess. And it's quite new or upcoming as a sort of mainstream hobby, even though it's very old too. Yeah. But I think my first sort of interaction or sort of engagement with D&D without me knowing about it yet uh, was Critical Role, as probably many people uh, have done, because it's quite a quite a big one in the in the community. Maybe short summary is that Critical Role is a sort of live play series that does episodes of gaming sessions where a bunch of friends who are also voice actors play a game of D&D. And I think I found this on YouTube or it got recommended to me on YouTube randomly. I watch a lot of theater stuff on YouTube, so that could have triggered something. I also watch, you know, video essays and video game related stuff. So I'm, I think I, I got into the right <laughs> zone of recommendation there. <laughs> and then I started watching it and I couldn't stop, even though I didn't understand what it was at all, what they were doing. And I think the feeling that I got then when I started to sort of understand what it was and, and why it was so cool, <laughs> I think that feeling is now that the thing that I try to explain to other people when they ask about it. Like, exactly. for example, I had this exactly. I had this conversation with my mom who still not entirely gets it, I think. <laughs> I mean, I love her, but it's 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 a it's a tricky concept. But but I always try to sort of explain this in the way of like, I love it because it's scratches the itch of theater for me so mm. the sort of character design and sort of the fact that you can play your own character so you can have this entire backstory going on you can act it out i love acting which is only one aspect and that the other aspect is the storytelling that the dm does for you because your dungeon mm. master is yeah, we'll explain yeah what i was thinking like should we Absolutely. yeah we, we can do that in a bit mm-hmm. uh, your dungeon master basically makes or creates the world around the players around the characters that you make as a group it scratched the itch of sort of audio narration because i like that too i mean we're making a podcast for for a good reason <laughs> I, I love audio <laughs> editing and recording and stuff like that and it's really sort of interactive and collaborative like there's no one person that is sort of responsible for the game or responsible for the sort of direction you're taking mm-hmm. and that's really refreshing or something because a lot of media you know books movies it's all sort of presented like this is the thing that we made and and here's my art you know and it's not like that and i find that super interesting about it and that's what i try to explain and what's also the hardest (laughs) to explain because exactly every time i try different and it doesn't yeah it's it's tricky like it's it's so hard to explain D &D and just not go on a tangent on everything it encompasses yeah for sure yeah absolutely so i kind of was introduced to D &D somewhere in the middle of college my friend Mm. wanted to have they wanted to run a game and they're like hey do you want to try this out and i'm like i don't really know what this is but sure we played like one game and I'm pretty sure my camel died. <laughs> and I don't know if that needs context because that's kind of what, what D&D is. That? Is that an expression? I'm so confused. No, 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 oh, it's not. Okay. I had like a literal in-game camel. Oh, and <laughs> okay. It, got it. it just, cool. you know, some bad rolls, you know how that happens. Sure. So I just kind of didn't <laughs> get D&D for a good while. I played one game and it was like, okay, I don't really need this in my life. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. eventually, and once I got out of college, my friend, a different friend hit me up and was like, hey, could you like run a game of this? I feel like this is something you'd like. So I looked into it and it was just already very much in my wheelhouse. I think as I was playing it and learning about it, I realized, wait, this is stuff that I already do. So this is kind of how I explain D&D to my friends. First of all, it's a tabletop game, unless you live across the ocean like we do. And we play online. (laughs) You you Mm -hmm. and a couple of your friends gather yourselves around a table. There's dice involved. There's miniatures involved. There's kind of 
uh, a lot of accessories, but that, that's not really what the game is. The game is a ever-growing collaborative storytelling session. I think that's the best way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, I think so. There's a person who's labeled the dungeon master. The dungeon master is the storyteller. They set up the world. They set up all the uh, side characters and they set up the scenario. So they kind of build a small world. And the process of D&D is like a cycle. You, if you're playing as the dungeon master, you present to everyone else who are the players a scenario. The scenario could be whatever. It could be a group of bandits. It could be you landing in a new town. And you ask the players, what do you do? The players then decide their next course of action. We want to fight the bandits. We want to explore the town. We want to go into this cave. And based on the decisions that they make, they roll a set of dice. Usually it's a 20-sided die. And when you roll it, the higher the number is, the better the outcome is, or the more closely it matches the outcome you want. Mm -hmm. The lower the dice is, the more the story kind of twists. And this randomness or this degree of uncertainty is what makes the game interesting because you can choose to want to do something in this game. But if your roles don't match your intent, then the DM gets to change the scenario based on your success. Mm -hmm. So for example, DM says there's a cave. The players say they want to enter a cave. They roll to look around. They roll low. The DM says there is something in this cave that you can't quite see. You can hear it. You can even smell it, but it's not quite discernible. What do you do? And the situation repeats, the scenario changes, the players decide what they do, they roll dice, and it's a cyclical process. And through that time that you spend telling the story, based on the decisions you make and based on the scenarios that arise from it, a story unfolds and is written. And that's kind of D&D in a nutshell. That's what I usually use to explain it. Does that make sense? That's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a good description. I think, yeah, as I was, th I was thinking as you were sort of describing that, it's really also about the sort of continuation of it. Like you keep making choices that influence the DM and then the DM can base their choices again on that. And then it's really such a back and forth process or something. Yeah, it's really nice. And also exactly. maybe good to, good to <laughs> put out there, these games usually or these sessions, because a game can be like consisting of many, many sessions, but one session can run like really dang long. This, this could be something that <laughs> yeah. you do an entire day. I mean... I don't always, uh, I'm not always able to, like in terms of brain power, but some people play for like eight hours, 10 hours straight if, <laughs> if you're really into it, you know? That's, uh, before we scare anyone off, that's not the norm. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I mean, the game that I run for my, for my uh, friends and roommates now is, uh, is one that we just play, I think two hours or something per session, yeah. which is just like, yeah, one, one evening. And, and that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what I'm trying to say, I think, is that you can really get sucked into this. You know, it's really a thing that you sort of immerse yourself so much in because you can make these choices and you have so much agency over your, well, yeah, your story, your game, your characters. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. People um, will be like, oh, um, wow, three hours. That's a really long time to be playing a game. But once you're into it, uh, the time kind of flies. You're hooked, man. <laughs> you're, yeah. There's no way out of it. <laughs> and it again, That's it's true. so hard to have people understand this without them kind of experiencing, without them understanding. Once you once you mm -hmm. play it, you get it, right? <laughs> so it's easy to say, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. For this, I actually wanted to um, give a prompt that this is the second half of my explanation. Sure. Let's go. Yeah. Um, usually the segue of the conversation is, oh, you do YouTube? What for? Oh, for D&D. &D. What is D&D? &D? And I could do that whole <laughs> spiel that gotcha. I just did. Yeah. But 
to really paint the picture, uh, I actually want to do an exercise, uh, Marilyn, if you're down. Of course, of course. So I'm going to paint a scenario. And after I'm done explaining it, you tell me what you want to do. And we're going to kind of mimic a very short game of D&D. Sure. We'll, we'll do like a nutshell, nutshell version. Exactly. Great. So no maps, no miniatures, no dice, just the game at its core. You ready? Yes. All right. Let me see if I remember how I usually do this. <laughs> okay, here we go. So you are walking down a long dirt road. You've been walking for a couple miles now. There's trees on both the left and right of you. You're surrounded by a dense forest. It's the middle of the day. You can smell the rain that's fallen earlier in the morning. You can hear the birds chirping as the forest livens up past the storm. And in general, you're just a little bit tired. You know there's a town a few miles away that you're hoping to get some shut-eye or some rest or just some good food. You hear the sounds of a rolling wheel behind you, which comes from the wheelbarrow that you're carrying just a few steps behind. And in that wheelbarrow is a wild boar, one that you've hunted earlier today. And you're hoping for a fire to cook it or just a marketplace where you can sell it. As you progress, though, you see about 100 feet away coming from the town, coming towards you. You can see a wheeled carriage uh, led by a singular donkey. You can hear the rattle of the wooden spokes. You can hear the clops of the footsteps of this beast. And at the helm of it, of course, at the reins is a singular merchant. He wears robes of a blue and white. He, from your opinion, doesn't look like he's around from this area. But as he approaches and as the distance closes, he looks towards you with a smile and he says, would you be interested in buying something? How do you respond? I'll, I'll walk up a bit. Can I um, peer into their cart? Is it visible whatever they're selling? Sure. Um, you can look into the cart. You can see that the tarp in front is blocking most of your view, but this tiny slip right between the covering and the actual door of it, there do seem to be a number of collectibles, maybe vases, urns. This guy probably hmm. sells uh, decorations for the house. Do the, does he look shifty? <laughs> well, you can tell that he's not from around here. He has a smile that he probably wears in the market. Hmm. Um, one that is inviting enough for you to be curious. Okay, okay. Shiftiness, hard to tell. I'll just say, sure. Well, what have you got? He looks towards you and a smile grows. He says, I've actually since left the town. I feel like my business is done there. But there was something that I've been dearly trying to sell and get off my person. It's hard to find a market for these, but I feel that someone like you might be interested. You see the merchant reaches into a pouch by his side. It's a satchel in a royal blue shade. He lifts it to eye level with you as he um, steps off of his carriage, walks over and opens the satchel. And inside you see five fangs covered entirely in gold. Mm. Would this happen to catch your fancy? He says. Hmm. Why would you think I'm the, the right person to sell this to, huh? Is this a special item? What do I gain from this? He looks towards you, then he looks towards the boar, and he says, You're an accomplished hunter, I can tell. Something like this came from a fabled beast farther north. A fabled beast, huh? Of course, of course. What, what kind of beast? Well, you know, the one with claws and scales that tower over cities. Oh, the one that has like, has like a hide and that walks on feet and stuff? <laughs> Dare I be more specific? Yes, it is the lizard of the cavern of the winged variety. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> that's more convincing. Okay, cool. Uh, of course, this wasn't a hunt of my own volition. I have friends 
farther north who procured this for me, but a small town just a few miles away doesn't take much interest in these. So I wanted to offer it to you. Hmm. I'm heading farther west from here. I was just hoping to earn a little bit of coin uh, on my way there, or perhaps a little bit of food, if you're willing to part with it. Hmm. So how much would you want for this? How much are you offering? I don't really know the coin too well in this region. Do I know if this, like, is he bullshitting me? <laughs> is he selling me, like, <laughs> corn? <laughs> so normally in these situations, as we take a slight aside out of character, mm-hmm. normally we would roll here. We would roll something like an insight check to see how well right. Marilyn's character is able to discern this. But for now, we won't need to rely on dice. You see that this man is dearly trying to part with these fangs. Clearly, he has no more use for it. For what reason, you're not entirely sure. You can probably get a good deal off of them if you really wanted them. Does he want to get rid of it more than that he wants coin for it? Or anything for it? Hard to tell. Mm, I don't care. Hmm. Do I have coin? (laughs) Or do I have like a boar? You have as much coin as you want. Oh, that's useful. (laughs) I'll say, how about I give you two gold for them and you tell me what I can actually use these for. I mean, they're pretty, sure. But I'm not, I'm, I'm interested in more than pretty. All right. Three gold and I'll give you the full story. Mm, fine. Give him three gold. Of course. He handily takes the three coins and he passes the satchel to you. He says, these are golden dragon fangs, born specifically of the gold dragon in the northern Tundran region. The battle was long fought, and anyone holding these fangs can earn a right to a wish. Oh. Beside another dragon, should you find one. That in itself is the difficult part, and I don't think I'll be running into any dragons on my usual routes. I feel like something like this can tell a better story in someone else's hands. Hmm, very well. I'll take these off your hands. All right. I'm not sure if I'll run into any dragons, but I like the idea of it. It's it's sort of heroic, you know? Heroic indeed. He um, gestures towards his clothing. I'm not really the hero type, but perhaps you can be. Next time I run into you, perhaps you tell me what has come of it. Well, next time if you run into a dragon, make sure to let me know. (laughs) I'm sure you'll hear about it. You have a wonderful day now. You too. He gets on his carriage and he proceeds forward. It's not too long after that you arrive at the nearby town and at the front gate, you see a guard dressed in blue and gray clothing as is the typical uniform of this place. And he looks towards you and he raises a hand for you to slow down. He says, Hello, I just have a very brief question for you, not to take up too much of your time. Have you run into anyone suspicious on your travels here? Mm, maybe. <laughs> why, why do you ask? Well, not to rouse any suspicion of you. Um, I have seen you here once or twice before. But last night there was a break-in into the mayor's treasury. Um, He seems to have lost a collection of valuable family heirlooms. Do you mind? It'll only take a moment. Do you mind if I simply just check your person? Um, well, I can... hmm. Can I I look over my shoulder? Is this this dude still inside? Probably not. This guy, he seems to be alone. He's the only person on watch right now. He's got a small blade by his side. Yeah, I mean mean the merchant. Oh, the merchant's gone. Oh, you passed the merchant about an hour ago cool i'll just say sure um don't don't mind if you if you do that's that's perfectly fine you have to understand though that i am 
a collector of sorts, so I might have strange items on my person that might be suspicious, but in fact are not suspicious, so don't worry if you find any. But I'm happy to oblige any requests that you have. <laughs> yes, usually people don't preface a search with that kind of statement, but sure. Well, you know, I've got into trouble a little, like earlier, you know, I, I get the interesting, you know, bits and baubles. So just premising that. Yeah, I think you're you're a good fella. You you would understand. Of course. We'll see as we search. Do you make any attempt to hide what you've gained? Um, or sh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to do? I'll I'll try to oh god. Do I have like a um <laughs> Let me think. Let me think. Do I have do <laughs> you, I have like a bag or a pouch of sorts where, of where I put like I don't know, food or anything like that? Can I just sure. shake these golden things like in one of one of those pouches that I hope is a bit dirty on the inside or dark. Yeah, that sure. doesn't show the gold gold stuff too much. Yeah, you quickly tuck it into a satchel that probably has like your last meal somewhere in it. So sure. it gets kinda yeah, you get yeah, kind yeah. of in the, the mix of it. You know, you're gonna throw that out later, of course. Uh-huh. Normally again, this would be the time where the guard rolls a check to see if he can locate these locate anything on your person. Mm. But for the purposes of this exercise, he checks your person. He looks around, kind of looks at your bag. He's like, oh, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> and he searches the rest of you and he says, oh, you're you're perfectly fine. You have um, you you obviously have experience hunting, right? Um, that is correct. Tracking, yes. In case you wanted any uh, boar related items, I can provide those for you, as you might see. Oh, well, we were actually hoping to assemble a bit of a tracking party. Oh. Gather a couple of people to look around the parts and see if we can locate the suspicious persons. Would you be willing to partake in such an effort? Of course. Is is there any coin involved? Of course. Of course we would pay you properly if you uh, managed to find it. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So I will meet me by the mayor's office by sunset. I'll gather a few other people and we'll go over how we're going to um, track this person down. How does that sound? Sure. Sure. All right. Thank you for your efforts. Thank you indeed. And that is the scenario. Nice, yeah. So I've run this a couple of times, probably about nine or ten times over the oh, course dang. of like the last year, and nobody handles the scenario exactly the same. <laughs> I figure, yeah. Yeah, most people try to barter for the dragon fangs. Some people get a little more hostile, a little bit of intimidation here, a little bit of trickery here, and a good handful of people when they meet the guard immediately hand over the fangs but a good portion of people hide it i've seen someone try to hide it within the body of the boar which was something (laughs) in of itself love that yes but the natural lead up into the fact that you'll be introduced to other members of a tracking party and in this you start to see the beginning of an adventure a further conversation normally this would be the time where i would introduce this character to the other players also gathered for the same purpose and something like this is Basically, D&D in a nutshell. If you cut out all the extra stuff, if you cut mm-hmm. out the maps and miniature and the dice rolling, the story that is told here, and if you were listening to the prompt, somewhere along the way, you might have had the thought, well, I would have done something different. And that is kind of where the magic of D&D lies. It's that even with the same prompt, with the same characters, with the same setting, depending on the people at the table, the story is always different. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think it's also because right now you were taking on the role of dungeon master or sort of describing the world and the surroundings and characters that reside in the surroundings. And I was playing a single player, basically. But you can, I mean, I started as a player, but I've also 
more recently been DMing and then seeing the other side of that, basically. And I think the thing that you just touched upon, the sort of idea of that everything is, well, not intuitive. How do, how do I describe this? Like, it, it's so collaborative that you sort of force yourself to be creative and you force yourself to make unique choices because there's no other way. You have to sort of think on the spot what you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. And I think specifically that makes for, if we're talking about world building, because of course this podcast right now we're talking about D&D, which is a great example of world building, but we really also want to branch out into sort of other versions or ideas about world building or examples of it. And I think the sort of, the fact that the D&D worlds and the interaction that you have with it as a player or as an experiencing no, that's not a word. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, as someone who plays in it or sort of experiences that world in the game, I think it really provides a world that's living in a way. Mm. And, and it's because you have to interact with it, it forces you to create a world that breathes and that has characters that, that respond or history to it. Imagine if if in the scenario you just ran for me, if I would go to the mayor's the mayor's house, the mayor would probably be a person that has seen some shit, you know? Like they're mm. they've been a mayor for a while. You know, there's there's history to this town and the sort of unfolding of anything that the DM has provided as the world, but also the things that I as a player am seeking in it is really sort of making it grow and making it alive. Do I say no, that absolutely. right? Yeah. 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 I think one of the biggest appeals of D&D is it's like a book that you have a hand writing. Imagine you were reading the first chapter of a novel mm-hmm. and instead of the main character's actions being told to you, you decide what it is. And watching that story unfold, watching players kind of break down the world and meet it in their own unique way, how they talk to other characters, how they meet different events or scenarios mm. and yeah. what they do in those situations is not only just amazing and fantastical, it's also very human, very grounded in reality, as in these are real decisions made by real life people. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It might be in a hypothetical scenario, but it's very much honest. Yeah, that's that's so true. Yeah. Do you also, because I've been thinking about this lately, do you also feel like you have a sort of second history or a second memory with all the games that you play because we've I been like- <laughs> we've been in a game for a while now. I think. Wait, how how long is that game running? Like two years? Well, our first and first adventure was two years, and we're yeah, beginning our second. Pretty one. crazy, yeah. And there's because you spend so much time in that world with your player character, you literally spend so much time <laughs> with them. You know, which is okay, Merle. I think this is this could be a whole different episode. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But yeah, that, no, that's a, that's a fantastic point. Like these the memories you make in this game very uniquely feel real enough to be real memories, uh, depending on how mm-hmm. deep you get yeah. into it, depending on how well you want to know your character and other people's characters. Mm-hmm. It starts to feel like a real proper relationship with these characters that were invented in our own collective minds. And it's still a gathering of friends. So When you experience these fantastical moments with people you genuinely care about, it feels very real and tangible. And it is. Mm -hmm. And the memories made from it are just as everlasting as real ones. I think so, at least. Yeah. (laughs) No, completely agree. Yeah. Which is why we keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is why it's, it it's such a great hobby. I, I don't know when this became a pitch for Play D&D, but I it's certainly, it, it we certainly would. It, yes. 
<laughs> As we progress with this podcast, or not necessarily this episode, but future ones, we want to touch on different ways that we approach the topic of world building, how that process goes about and how like creating these universes or spaces in your mind can be tackled from different mediums. Mm-hmm. It's just that Merle and I experienced this very vividly in the game of Dungeons and Dragons. And sharing that concept with our friends and family has always been a little bit tricky. I think it's also good to just get it out of the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I want to get it out of the way, but it's it's really the first question that we sort of have to discuss if we want to talk about world building and we have this hobby. It's almost impossible to not talk about D&D, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I think that from that jumping point, uh, we'll have plenty to talk about in our next episode, which we should be trying to record weekly. We'll be as consistent as we can view with something like this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, before we close it out, we wanted to kind of start an exercise that we would close every podcast with. The name is still up in the air, but for now, we can just call it the bad world building prompt. Is it, sorry, Dante, by the way, Go is, ahead. It, is it maybe nice to to explain a little bit about our, <laughs> the thing we, we recorded in the, in the tryout version of the episode? The, oh, the, do tell, do tell. Okay, okay. Perhaps as a sort of background for, <laughs> for whatever we're going to do in a minute, it's maybe good to realize that the name Your Rivers Are Wrong is not entirely random, you know? It instigates some <laughs> of that fair. world building urge to get your rivers right. Mm-hmm. People who build their worlds will probably know what this means, but <laughs> I think Dante and I were riffing back and forth about what it means to have a wrong river. Like, what's a proper river and how do you mm-hmm. not make a proper river? I think we eventually ended up with a sort of donut river idea, <laughs> which I hate <laughs> and love at the same time, if that makes oh, sense. absolutely. Yeah. And, and we, we loved it so much that we sort of had to make a thing out of it. <laughs> yeah. Merla has made plenty of proper fantastical maps of, of fantasy places. And whenever you're in that field of cartography, there will always be someone who says, well, your rivers are wrong. They just don't make sense. Right. Yeah. So oh. <laughs> it's true. having having heard that enough, we kind of want to take that problem and make it more of a solution as we step into uh, what should be our closing prompt called bad world building. Uh, Merle, I'm going to give you a world building prompt. I'm going to give you yes. a Hit me up. thing that exists in this reality that we're about to make. And OK, OK. When you hear it, you have to give me something about that world. That is wholly unique to it because of this one little thing. Amazing. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. So your bad world building prompt is, Mm -hmm. what would the world look like if rivers could only travel upstream? If they traveled in reverse? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. The first thing that comes to mind is, I wonder, does that mean gravity is different? Or does it mean like water just has the property to go against gravity naturally? Because if it's gravity, then it basically means everyone can fly and everything's floating, <laughs> which is great, by the way. I would I would not hate to be in that world. But if it's not, then it's more like a sort of, I don't know, as if water can sort of have properties of gas or something. I don't know. That's pretty cool. I would imagine that it would be the ultimate way to travel like upstairs. <laughs> Exactly. That's thought, exactly. What you I have think. like a literal sort of water slide, reverse water slide that you can go in to, I don't know, travel mountains. Like that's the, that's the that's greatest exactly, thing. Exactly. Holy. Could you imagine if mountain climbing was truly solved by just picking the widest river? <laughs> yeah, that's, that makes it so much easier. Like mountain climbing is suddenly not a thing that's, that's hard anymore. Does this mean that if it's very cold, like 
Hmm. This is okay. Here's here's my question. <laughs> if you have, right. you know, the highest mountain, there's snow on mm-hmm. the highest mountain. Water mm-hmm. freezes in cold. If a river like streams uh, streams upstream, upstream, does it does it freeze at the top? Like, do we get a sort of weird sort of floating floating iceberg situation? Did like a like the a giant it streams. <laughs> like the top of mountains is just one giant iceberg. Does it still stream if it once it becomes frozen? You know. I think there's in in actual like the real world does it, there's some somewhere like a frozen waterfall or something but then it stops streaming cuz that's the the whole point of being frozen <laughs> in you know <laughs> real world physics and stuff <laughs> just the just the visual of every mountain having a giant ice sombrero is just I mean yeah this is <laughs> this is getting complicated yeah hmm. yeah does it mean that if you have like like uh, what's the word in english like taps you know in the kitchen or something <laughs> Does it mean your sink has to be up like the other way? So does the water come out of the drain first and travel upward? Yeah. You kind of got to catch it with your hands. (laughs) Is a drain even a thing? That's got to be so complicated if it goes upstream. Well, maybe sinks are upside down, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Maybe if you think of it like fire or just any sort of smoke that just naturally rises, you got to work around that. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe all the... Yeah. I think that's true. Maybe all the taps are just not on like kitchen sink level anymore they're just down because otherwise it's going to be such a hassle to get the water back into i don't know a bucket or something (laughs) maybe there's like a big bowl to catch it in at the top will it float out of a bucket this is getting so complicated well before we dive too far into this (laughs) i think we've (laughs) properly covered this um world building prompt we're going to continue in the next couple episodes. We'll t- continue on the topic of D&D and uh, get into the finer intricacies of um, the process of world building, the perspective of DMs, and mm-hmm. kind of just how that whole dynamic plays out in further detail. But for now, thank you for listening to this podcast. This is definitely <laughs> a first time doing anything like this. So if you're hearing this, we very much thank you for listening this long. With that said, hope you have a wonderful week. and. As always, remember, your rivers are wrong. Yeah, they're pretty warm. Have a great one. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Your Rivers Are Wrong. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes that you'd like to hear us cover, feel free to contact us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Our intro and outro music is written by Maarten Schellekens. Thanks for that. And again, thank you so much for listening. We hope to see you at the next one.